morning, everyone. Let's open in prayer quickly. Dear Lord, I just pray that uh, your words and the words of your son Jesus will come through in, uh, in a powerful way this morning that will bring us to the truth, will bring us to um, the reality of what is it that you truly have for us and want us to be doing and what you want us to be, uh, to be believing, Lord. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you'll um, help us... Uh, uh, filter out the murkiness of of the of the gospel sometimes that come out that uh, from the world perspective that enters into it. And Lord, I just pray that we get through to the uh, crystal clear view of exactly what it is that you are trying to do and say. Amen. Okay. So I was charged with the topic of uh, why did Jesus come. Now, um, it's an incredibly important un- thing to understand, correct? That we have, the, the whole Old Testament is leading up to, to this moment. Dave did a great job, uh, you know, with going through the Old Testament and leading us up to this point. Now, I'm going to do my best to make this clear and concise, and, uh, you know, but it's, it's a big it's a big issue, and uh, we need to understand it. Um, so if we're going to look at some scripture here, Luke 18, um, we're going to see that Jesus came to bring salvation. He came, he came for Calvary. It says in verse 31, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going to, up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. And he will, sorry, he will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. He came to be our sacrificial substitute. That was predicted. And the verse we know very well, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Amen. I'd like to call Hannah up to close the service and uh, no, seriously, like isn't that what we hear all the time? That's if we if someone says why did Jesus come, that's what we say. Where it ends. What about the other thirty-three years? I I really don't believe that's why the only reason why God came and sent Jesus in that form. There's so much more, but how often is that? Where it ends, that's it. And uh, you know, I, with the kidding aside, um, it, it's just very sad to me that that uh, if you don't see the whole the picture as in the whole, you don't understand even the salvation aspect of why Jesus came. Because if you are sitting there and you're thinking that you just say that prayer. And you do that that one time in your life, and then that's your fire insurance. You're good to go, and you can have the license to make as many mistakes as you want to, because Jesus has paid it all for you on the cross. Don't forget that He has. That's true. But He doesn't say make a mockery of me. 
He doesn't say sin over and over and over again and my blood will cover you over and over and over again. I don't think he's pleased about that fact. He'll do it. He'll forgive you. How many times? Seven times seven. or Which meant affinity. But don't insult God. Don't think that this is what he wanted. That that's where it ends. And that he... Had, went, we went through the whole history since the beginning of the world that he created to send his son so that for the next 2,000 plus years we can abuse that liberty of grace and love. That isn't, that isn't why he came. So why did he come? Um, Mark 1.38 Jesus says, Let us go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So this leaves us in an awesome place. You know, Jesus is very clear on on this direction. I have come to teach. So we have an absolute responsibility to dig in, to understand what did he teach. I was discussing with Hannah the other day that how often do I hear a sermon on Jesus' words as compared to uh, Old Testament story? Or I, don't, I don't mean stories, Old Testament history. It's not a story. It's true. It's factual. Uh, or the letters of Paul or the words of Paul and different things. So we hear, you know, I don't want to throw numbers at that, but heavy majority of the preaching and teaching ends up going towards what did Paul think? What did somebody else think? What did, what did this say? My suggestion today is that we do not bypass the teachings of Jesus that came straight from his mouth. Grasp that fully because that is the picture. That is, that is the over-encompassing entire theme. He came to teach. He came to die and he came to do. And we're going to go over those issues, uh, those topics, points today. But, so we, we have uh, an incredible importance to, uh, to understand what did he say. I, I hope everyone got a handout um, that was given. Um, essentially what that is, is I, I read the three Gospels Ran out of time, so there's no John on there. But uh, that were the words of Jesus and directions and guidance of Jesus that I pulled out. But there's so much more. But that's the the ones I pulled out for this morning. So please uh, keep that close by you and um, as we go through this. So Jesus, he came. Uh, we some people get thinking on the, the miracles and the, the healings and different things and the, the video that Wally showed this morning did touch on that. Jesus came to do those things but it, his intention behind those things were to show his authority, his power and to sh- prove and provide the proof that he is fulfilling the prophecies. As the prophecies were had said that that would be the signs. And so... He did not come only for that reason, but those were very important. So, now if, we, if you guys look at that paper that I handed out, we're going to look in through there and we're going to see 
Jesus says some incredibly difficult things for us to comprehend and to live and to think about. Um, you know, and you know, it's incredibly difficult to reconcile that to our current society and life. Now, I hope you caught that. Because Christians all the time are trying to reconcile and, and, and make the scriptures match the current beliefs and see how they intertwine, how they connect. How do we do this today is the question that's constantly asked. In today's day, how, do we, how does this look? How does this happen? How does this go? It's, it's the wrong question. What did Jesus intend when he said it is the question that we have to be asking as we go through all of this. Because through my studies, I, I see that there is no cultural relevance. There is no things of the time or based on who he was speaking to. It didn't change. His message was his message. But if we try to view his message through the lens of the world as we see it and trying to see how do we interpret this now, we're going to get it wrong. We can't do that. We have to look at it as to what, is, what are the words of Jesus? What is he trying to tell them? Because that's the same message he's trying to tell us. Now, how we live it out is up to each individual here. And let's go through them. So, in Mark 4 and, uh, and in Luke 8, he tells us to sow seeds. That that is important. That is he, and he, and he goes over the fact of what happens to the seeds after they're sown. But there is a call for us to sow the seeds. There's a call for us in Luke 12 to serve diligently, not lazy and not to misuse power. Luke 13 says, repent or perish. Jesus came to bring division in Luke 12. That's hard to comprehend. But if you really think about it, he didn't come to make everyone agree and love all one another in big, happy, unity, hug circle. He came to say, this is what's happening, this is wrong, and don't intermix with the world. Don't get off by the sin that is happening around you. Jesus came to center and bring focus to his believers, his people. Because, believe it or not, we think there's a lot of sin today. There is a rampaging sin. But they also had a lot. It just looked different. But there was a lot of it out there. There was sexual immorality. There was everything you can imagine was then. And we've upped the scale with the internet and, uh, and technology and all this stuff. So we're in rough times here. But... but but let me assure you that, that when Jesus brings his message, and, and when you read that, that verse, and by the way, you're going to notice, I'm not reading any of the verses. That's you. That's, that's your homework. I read mine. Now, I read all three books. You can do one better. Read the whole thing. But this is what it says. And, and, and I encourage you, please read it. That's why I gave you the handouts. Go over them. Um, but Jesus' words will bring division because people won't agree with you. And it's just that simple. 
And um, then he also goes on in Luke to say, be rich towards God. Do not store up for yourself. Oh. Like I said, this is for each individual to look at, but what does society save for us? RSP, savings accounts, uh, build up your, your retirement fortunes, Freedom 55, uh, the works. You know, If you have a car and it's uh, 10 years old, you better get a new one because it's, it's finished. And if you bought a... F- oh, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but... Um, you know, but it's uh, the, but it, that's the world we live in, and everyone we're, we're building up for ourselves. Uh, he says, "Don't worry." That trust me. He says, "Sell your possessions and give to the poor." We may give to the poor, but do we sell our possessions to do that? Just throwing it out there. Pursue treasures in heaven. Be wise builders. Put your faith into practice. Love your enemies. No marriage in heaven. I hear that question all the time. Is there marriage in heaven? Are we still going to be married? Well, Jesus addresses that. When they, they say, oh, this person's uh, wife died and the brother had the responsibility to marry the, marry the wife and the, that guy died and the other brother marries and marries. Who's, who, is the, uh, who is going to be that woman's husband in heaven? And He says there is no marriage in heaven. But how many books and different things you hear out there, people asking that question, trying to, trying to make themselves feel better about it because we want to be with our significant others are in heaven. But it's, you know, uh, just read the scriptures. It's all there. Um, communion. When you read the, the passages, how many churches are div- kind of have their, their corners and their ideas of how to do it? Well, how did Jesus do it? Read the accounts right there. They just got together. Nothing fancy. You could do it if you have a couple believers come to your home or your families at your table. Break bread together. That's what the Bible is saying. It doesn't have to be over the top, extra special, extra ritualistic, different things. He just wants us to remember Him as often as we get together. He with who? Well, you could be your family. It could be anybody. This, let's, uh, let's just get into the Word as to what it says. This one was funny. Have lunch with your friends and you get your reward. Lunch and dine with cripples, poor, etc., and God repays you. Those are good principles. Don't make an excuse not to banquet or spend time with God in Luke 14. If you want to read about the cost of being a disciple in Matthew 10, we must forgive. You cannot love and serve money and God. He tells us how to pray. He, get, he tells us to give to the needy. Narrow is the door that leads to eternal life. He tells us to fear God. He tells us don't be lazy and wicked servants in the parable of the talents. He tells us that God will separate the sheep from the goats in Matthew 25. He wants us to be true believers, not fake. This is a very small sample size that I ripped through. But I hope that you're seeing the picture here. And that... We all need to go home and study this and see how we match up. This, it's not anyone else's job but our own to make sure we align with Jesus and what he's telling us. So to focus on my initial, one of my initial points is that we have to be very careful when we're seeking 
uh, guidance and wisdom from other people, other sources, other other places. Um, because oftentimes that is an interpret someone's interpretation of the scriptures, and uh, we we have a long history of being misguided and misled. If you look at the church history, you look at the Jewish history, you look at different people in history, and it is very flawed history. Now, man, we f- we fully fall for the. The, the lie that the devil used on the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4, basically when the devil was saying, well, did he really say that? We constantly are falling for it. We read it. It insults us or makes us... Uh, what, and then we think, okay, well, it can't mean that. We, it must mean this. Please don't fall for that. It is so dangerous. Now, the Word of God is literal, folks. Literally, God created the day, the world in six days. Literally, God saw that the world was evil and sent the flood. Literally, God split the Red Sea. And then again, He split the Jordan. He literally did all of those things plus. He literally sent His Son, Jesus, to tell us this message to die for us. So, we must listen. It's authoritative. Nothing else, no one else's book, no one else's video no one, is authoritative. Bible is authoritative. There's other resources that we can use to guide us, but we, we have to be so careful because we've been so misled if we're not super, super careful. Now, if we misunderstand what the Bible is trying to teach us, there are certain issues. Will it take away your salvation? Well, Maybe not. Will it uh, affect your effectiveness for your witness? Absolutely. Um, Will it uh, change your standing with God? And that it's hard to say. Like it could. It depends on where your where your misbeliefs are. And I'm just going to say this: that if if your beliefs are that as Christians we can just take the, the talents that God has given us, because we all have them, and we can put them in our back pocket, dig them in the ground, and hide them away, like the, the parable says, and we don't use them, and God comes back, is He going to say, awesome job? No, He's going to say, you're a wicked, lazy servant, and how does that not affect your standing with Him? Will it be a salvation thing? Will it take away your salvation? I don't believe so. But we, we have Jesus is clear with his teachings. He wants us to be working hard for him. He wants our lives to be radically different for him. That we cannot be sucked into the current of the world. And Jesus came, and part of what he was saying and doing and teaching was rebuking and correcting the false behaviors and attitudes of the people of the time. Some of those people were viewed as really good people. People who were trying to do what is awesome and good and trying to serve and God still lambasted them. He said, listen, you're missing it. You're missing it. Please, we can't be people who are missing it. If we want this church to, to be used and effective, 
We need to get this right. God, this is His church. It's not ours. It's His. We are His body. And if we want this, this place to be used to its fullest, and we want the community to be affected for the fullest, I think we need to get this right first so that God can trust us with the mission. And we need to get things right on. Now, some examples of how we can be misguided uh, exist in science. Uh, that's, that's a big one today. The people are looking at the Bible and they're, and they're going through what they've been taught in school and using that lens and it distorts everything. And the science has nothing to back it up. But the Bible does. Um, the so-called intellect of the day can steer you wrong. Um, the Bible constantly speaking of blind guides and fools. We still need to be careful of blind guides and fools. Um, some recent examples, well, recent, this one's in the 1500s. We look at Luther. Yes, he brought around the Reformation. And that's all I ever heard of until Mark made a mention a couple, uh, couple weeks ago uh, about uh, some of his attitudes towards the Jews. So I looked into it. Scary stuff. Scary. It'll be, it's, in, it's insane. But I don't want to get too deep on that. But we look at uh, the teachings of Rob Bell. I know this church had the videos the videos, the NUMA videos, and it was being shown to the youth. It was being shown. I used them when I was at the youth center. We, we looked at them and thought, oh, look at this teaching. It's new. It's, he's, he's such a good teacher. you know." And then all of a sudden, he pops out with the Love Wins book, and people are like, what's going on? Some people still fully follow what he's teaching. And then he goes on from Love Wins. And in March 17th of 2003, so it's about two years after Love Wins comes out, he makes this statement. In an interview at the Grace Cathedral in San Francisco, Bell says, I am for marriage. I am for fidelity. I am for love. Whether it is a man, a woman, a woman and a woman, a man and a man, I think the ship has sailed. This is the world we are living in. We need to affirm people uh, wherever they are. Honestly? A man carrying, claiming to be Christian? But the scary part of that is, it's not the only place I've heard that. Those thoughts are creeping in all over the place. That isn't what's being taught in the Bible. That isn't what God says and not what Jesus says. Do not make any claims or statements or beliefs that don't align with the Bible. And if you hear words of others, please dig in and research it before you claim it as your own. Some people out there have awesome wisdom and God has blessed them. But some is scary and misguiding. And, and sometimes it's the sheep, uh, the wolf in the sheep's clothing. We have to be so careful because the lies are slippery. The devil is smart. He tried to fool Jesus in the desert. 
he's fooling a lot of us and we don't even know it. And the only way to know it is to immerse yourself in the scriptures and read and look. The words of Jesus are an excellent place to start, but don't end there. Keep reading. So, uh, Jesus taught. We've covered that. What did he do? Well, he came and he chose people to be the ushers of the new church to come through. Who did he choose? He could have went to the, the Jewish synagogue and got and met up with the leaders of the time. He could have worked with them. I think Jesus would still have to be alive today if he was to change them. So he bypassed them. Thirty, uh, three, 33 years of life would not have been even close to enough to, to uh, infiltrate that false teaching and false attitude. And so, but he could have went and got younger Jewish guys just coming into the synagogue and got them, and he could have been their rabbi. And they were probably they, that was the thing. They looked for the the person to follow the rabbi. Didn't do that either. He went after the untrained, uneducated uh, men with willing hearts who loved and were willing to serve. That's who he went after. And he bypassed the Jews who were supposed to be standing on guard, watching and waiting for him. He didn't hide his message from them. He, the, the, the men on the, that he called were of Jewish um, heritage, lineage, whatever it's called. But he didn't go to their systems that they had in place because they were flawed. He said, I need to start anew. We need to, we need to break what is happening here we need to go radically different and fresh. And he did. And he, would, he couldn't have lasted more than the, the three years. Well, he could have because he's God, but the, the intense persecution and the desire of the people and the leaders to kill him, it pops up all over Scripture. Every time he said, they want to kill him, they want to kill him, they want to kill him. Because he was getting to the heart. He was getting to that place that lets you know how far off we are, they were, and gets us to the place where he says, that's where I need you to be. And um, he, James 4, 6, says that God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God showed that in how he came into the world, as Dave spoke on. He came in through Christmas, the baby in the manger. He came as the carpenter's son. He came in every way possible, humble. He had that 30 years before his ministry to show the perfect life he was living. He had the, During his ministry, the perfection continued and, and, after, and it's never ended. And he showed us the way to live. That is another reason why Jesus came. He gave us the one true, unblemished, holy example of how to live. So, um, so if we, like I said before, Jesus' words come with complete authority, just as God's do. Now, if we want to look at the, some scripture as to why the, the what what Jesus has to say about the Jews and why he bypassed them, we can look at Matthew twenty-three. And I'll read it. 
And if you and you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. And then skipping it. That was in, started in 32, sorry. And then skipping down to 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children uh, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you are unwilling so, are we willing? We're not going around stoning the prophets, but are we willing? Are we a people truly seeking Him? Like I said, the Jews would have been the logical choice. God doesn't use what we think the logical choices are. And... Um, the Bible's clear on that. We see it all over and over and over. Um, was it the logical choice for Balaam's donkey to start to talk to him? For God to to turn him around? I don't see any logic in that. But he did it. Was there, uh, God is so much more powerful than we ever can comprehend. Let's remember that. So what would God say? And not being heretical here, but if God's Bible, if there were new books being added, which there's not, but if there were, and there was a letter, or if God, Jesus was here and adding to his book and speaking to us, just imagine in our hearts, what would it say? What would he be saying to us? What are the lessons he would be telling us would he be pointing us back to the Gospels and saying, listen, I've already said it. Just look at it. Or would he, how would he rebuke us? How would he, how would he encourage us? What would he say to us? That's an important thing to, to, to think about as we wonder why did he come. Because he came and he left, but he did not leave us alone. He sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and it's still here today. And He is with us, and He's seeing us, He knows our thoughts before we even think them. He is here. And we need to, um, we need to be that radical difference, that change. And if we want people to be changed for Jesus, we have to be that way. We can't be the, we can't blend into the crowd. So I'm going to get Hannah to come up and uh, prepare to uh, close us with a song. Now I bypassed it pretty quick at the beginning, but I want everyone to fully get it that Jesus' crowning moment is the pinnacle of why he came absolutely was Calvary. And um, we need to make sure that everyone here that we are truly saved and that we truly are connected with him and that we and that we love and adore Jesus and um yeah we we cannot ever lose lose our focus on that
I pray that God will use us. I pray that God will give us the correction that we need and the encouragement we need in the areas that we're doing well to serve him for this community. This community needs Jesus. And we have uh, an insane amount of empty seats in this place. That Jesus has peoples in mind to, to occupy, to be here, to be fellowshipping with us. Now, my encouragement, the homework, is read the scripture verses that I gave Pray earnestly about how are we individually going to reach the people for Jesus. And if we listen to the song that Hannah's going to sing, it's about obedience and it's about honoring God. And I'll pray when she's done. Dear Lord, so will I, so will I. If you care for the poor, so will I. If you care for the people of Timmins, so will I. If you care about how we live our lives, so will I. Lord, You've told us how to live. Now, Lord, we need Your help to do it and to see it Your way so that we can say that we are honoring You and that we are truly following you and that we will see the life that you truly have for us and that you want. And Lord, I pray for strength this morning for all of us. I pray for you to move and to guide and to individually show us all your word. Bring it forward through the, your lens, your biblical context. Remove all other things that try to get in the way and alter what is being said. God of creation, killed on a hill that you created. Lord, I pray that we are reverent to you, and we honor you. And Lord, we thank you so much for your sacrifice that you did sending your Son. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, for the believers here, for strength, Lord. Lord, we just thank you so much. And Lord, I just, I just, there's nothing more to say, Lord, but please continue to enlighten us deeper and deeper and deeper. Amen.